the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. As we head into our final hour of the day of the week, it is a delight to bring back our good friend, my good friend, Mark Krikorian. He is the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, it is the one-stop shop for all your information on issues having to do with immigration. He has lead article at National Review today asking uh, somewhat rhetorically, but hopefully not, how much worse can it get? Mark, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's a depressing story. It gives me no joy. It should give none of us any joy. But we do have to describe what is taking place. I've been down there a couple times. You've been down there more than I. And um, we have gone. I don't. I don't know where to begin here, Mark. Let me try it this way. We have begun. We 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 have gone from just a few months ago. The Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, saying the border is secure to a leaked uh, audio uh, today saying that we're going to lose if the borders are our first line of defense. Where do you take it from here, Mark? Yeah, good question. I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's the Biden and, and you're the and, and, the and you know more about this than anyone. <laughs> right. I mean, the I mean, I know what. I know the kinds of things we need to do. Yeah. It's just that the Biden administration cannot politically and will—I mean—will not do them. Uh, the fact is that uh, President Trump restored a certain amount of stability to the border. It wasn't fixed. Everything wasn't perfect. There was still stuff that had to be done, but it was stable. It was working. And Biden inherited a working border and broke it. And as soon as he took office. The um, apprehensions, the illegal crossings ballooned, and they have continued to increase every month that Biden has been in office. I expected this month, I mean, this is July, they just reported last month, to be, you know, a dip. The numbers to go down a little, if only because the, uh, you know, the, the brutality of the summer. But, in fact, they went up <clears throat> more than they had gone up in several previous months. So it was more than 200,000, well, it was like 212,000 yep. people mm -hmm. that the Border Patrol and the um, inspectors at the ports of entry caught illegal aliens. 200,000 of them were board, regular Border Patrol arrests, you know, between people who hopped the border as opposed to illegal aliens trying to get through the ports of entry. Okay. So it's 200,000, significantly more than um, the previous month. And again, each month has been higher. And up double digit I percents. Made, I mean, right. We're increasing by double right. digit percents every month. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what is maybe most disturbing is that each month since Biden took office, the percentage of illegal immigrants who are not Mexican or Central American has been going up steadily. In other words, Let me pause you there. This this was so interesting. You, I, I, I've been to the border. I know it. Uh, but I think most people assume a lot of a lot, if not most of the illegals crossing are from Mexico. It's just not the case. And what is interesting 
is that more and more, as you point out in your piece, are from countries we never used to see, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you know, the uh, for instance, the the order of you know the number of people arrested was Mexican, Guatemalan, Honduran, and El Salvador. Okay. The the last three countries they call the Northern Triangle of right. Central America. Right. Well, last month. El Salvador wasn't on the list anymore. Right. It had been out. It had been uh, outpaced by Ecuador, mm-hmm. which is a thousand miles farther away. Mm-hmm. And you know, are we going to fix their root causes too? It's not clear that's even why it's happening. And it's not even just that. We're getting people now from farther and farther afield. One of our analysts went down, spent several days at a smuggling lair, kind of like an unofficial town on the Costa Rica-Nicaragua border. It's not on a map. doesn't exist technically, but it's there for smuggling purposes. And just interviewed people. He's a former reporter, former intelligence analyst. And he was talking to people from Mauritania, from Ethiopia and Eritrea and Senegal. He was talking to a lot of Haitians who were not coming from Haiti, who had been living for years in Chile or in Brazil and decided that once Biden opened up the uh, border that they would try for an upgrade because, you know, Chile is a perfectly nice place. They had jobs. They were stable. But, you know, if they had relatives in Miami or New York, it's worth a try, sort of upgrade from, from uh, you know, coach to first class. Did I lose you, Mark? Do I still have you there, brother? No, no, I'm here. Okay, my bad. Yeah, no, it's my bad. It was on my end. Sorry. Uh, From coach to first class. But, Mark, one of the things that – one of the things that frustrates so much – I mean there's a lot here that frustrates. The humanitarian disaster, the uh, fact that we're dealing with it at all. One of the things that uh, that frustrates more than anything is you said that there are things. You know what they are. The Trump administration knows what they are. This is not a problem of possibility or fact. It's not a problem of ability. It's a problem of will, correct? Absolutely. Uh, and policy preferences, policy choices, I guess, is a way to think about it as well. In other words, this isn't – Something like, uh, you know, the tides or continental drift that we just kind of have to accept. Uh, One of the things that President Trump did that was successful in stabilizing the situation was put in place something called the Remain in Mexico program. It was kind of the shorthand term. What that meant was if you sneak across the border and say the magic words about asylum, which for most people are just a gambit to get past the Border Patrol and be released, um, you would have a hearing, uh, but you had to wait on the Mexican side of the border for your hearing date to come up. You, mm-hmm. We wouldn't just let you go, and you wouldn't be able to disappear. It was instantly effective in reducing uh, the number of people sneaking across. And Biden ended it on day one, literally on January 20th, ended it. And <laughs> what do you think happened? Numbers went right back up. Because most of the people, the majority of the people, the Border Patrol arrested last month were let go into the United States. So, of course, they're all going to call home. Everybody has cell phones. You know, the world is smaller than it used to be. And call home and tell the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law and the neighbors. And, hey, you know, 
they let us go. They gave us some piece of paper about how we're supposed to turn ourselves into ice, uh, to ice within 60 days. But, you know, we talked to some people, and nobody does that, so we're just not going to do that either. We're talking um, to Mark Krikorian, by the way. More just, numbers. Yep. Yeah, go into the numbers. I just want to give you a plug. We're talking to Mark Krikorian at the Center for Immigration Studies. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell yeah, me so, the numbers I mean, that concern we, you most. You know, we've gone from the, you know, it, it was about 180-something thousand illegal immigrants arrested by the Border Patrol in June, which was already an increase from before, 200,000 in July when it was supposed to be going down. And, you know, is it what's going to happen in August? I mean, how much, this is the sort of the headline I just kind of popped out of my head, is how much worse can this yeah, I think it get a lot worse. I think it'd get a lot worse with bad. the climate. The climate's about to get really nice here in Arizona and in Texas. You know, this is what yeah, was happening sure. when the climate, for better or worse, just was terrible. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so no, I mean, I think the numbers are likely to go up. And the Biden administration doesn't know what to do about it. They're basically trying three different things, or have been trying three different things. The first is pay, bribing Mexico to actually do a better job at keeping people from ever getting to our border in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's fine as far as it goes. Trump administration did the same thing. But if the magnet is still there, if we're letting people go once they get across our border, there's only so much the Mexicans are going to do. It's not their job to keep these people out of the United States. And they're not even Mexican. I mean, they're, they're third country people. So that's not going to work very well. The second thing is Vice President Paris's uh, pet project of addressing root causes mm-hmm. in Central America. Including earthquakes, I gather. A, right? It's kind of become a punchline. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yep. like that HBO series, Veep. She is now Julia Louise-Dreyfus mm-hmm. Veep, you know? Except I mean, without uh, the humor, a, yeah. Yeah, without the humor, exactly. Um, although she probably dances about as well as Elaine. Well, she cackles. But, she cackles. Yeah, right. yeah. She does cackle. So that's not good. I mean, even if that could work, just, you know, theoretically, because it can't work. But even if it could work, it would take generations to make any difference. Let me you know, do this. So Mark, I, Mark I have to take a quick break. Do you have time for one more segment, or do you got to run? Sure, happily. Let, yeah, let me pick I, up I on that when we come back. I want to I measure your sense of cynicism or, or, or pessimism, that's a better word, um, versus optimism. The possibilities that this, this could be repaired, how long it would take, um, what a smart president could do or a president who was turning around um, these policies, what they might consider, what they could theoretically do. Our governor, Ducey, is asking on Mayorkas to resign. Uh, uh, is Mayorkas the problem or is it something quite much bigger than that? We'll t- deal with all of this when we come back with Mark Krikorian from the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have with us Mark Krikorian. He is the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Mark, thanks for staying with us. Yesterday, your Secretary of Homeland Security and mine, Secretary Mayorkas, says it's critical that intending migrants, I'm quoting him, it's critical that intending migrants understand clearly that they will be turned back if they enter the United States illegally and do not have a basis for relief under our laws. Um, a, could he have said it more mealy-mouthed? Is any, B, 
is anything more untrue? And C, it's not as if he doesn't know how to use language to tell people not to come. He did it with Cubans. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, telling people something, you know, is not the same as uh, actually following through. In other words, actions speak louder than words. So what the Secretary of Homeland Security uh, did was basically say the same thing that Vice President Harris did when she went down to Guatemala. She said, do not come. She repeated it, do not come. She said it twice, so it must be true. But at the very moment she was speaking, we were letting people in and letting them go across the border. So it doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. Was there was, was there was there is there responsibility on rhetoric of Joe Biden's during the campaign or since that some people say, well, you know, he kind of invited him here. He kind of told them to come. Oh, no. oh, he absolutely invited people here. In fact, the um, one of our analysts was on the Mexican side of the border, uh, I think uh, uh, across from Texas, talking to alien smuggler, just a regular schmo that somebody like the guy fixing his car because his car broke down there, you know, knew some guy. So in other words, it wasn't like some cultivated thing. He wasn't trying to spin us or anything. And in casual passing speech, he referred to La Invitacion, the invitation from Joe Biden ah. to come across the border. Of course, that's what they did during the campaign. And then his, in other words, his words during the campaign and his actions as president. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you give it a try? I mean, in a sense, you'd kind of be crazy not to. Mark, does he... Do... Let me let me ask you to just put on a, a slightly different hat for a second, because I don't know if I'm President Biden, I'm, I'm looking at everything I've touched, all the policies from, you know, Afghanistan to, to the border, right. you know, at a certain point, an idea fix a rigidity and ideological commitment has to yield to some version of conceived or potential success. You would think he wants a win or an improvement on his uh, on his tote board. You would think he does. Yeah. Uh, but what? Is I mean, the ideolo- ideology so strong that we're going to muddle through until 2025? Yeah, I mean, I think the issue is partly ideology. In other words, not the president's. I'm not even sure what he believes. In other words, it's... it's I'll accept it's the that. Sure. That the Democratic Party, the mainstream of the Democratic Party, has radicalized on immigration, as on other things, quite frankly. But immigration is my area. And so um, the, I draw the comparison to... Jimmy Carter in 1980, uh, you're probably too young to remember that, but there was the Mariel boat lift, sure. where 120,000 Cubans came over at Carter's invitation. He, he you know, thought he was just talking. He, in other words, he didn't realize that his uh, words would have consequences, mm-hmm. and they all started showing up in Florida. It was a political disaster for him. Uh, by the way, it was, a, it was the reason that Bill Clinton, when he was governor of Arkansas, lost re-election almost derailed his political career because there was a riot among the Mariel uh, detainees that who were held in Arkansas. But the point, the, the difference is, Jimmy Carter did not run on immigration. He did not run as the anti-enforcement candidate. Mm-hmm. He really, this was a long time ago, so the party wasn't even that radicalized. He had the political maneuvering space to shut that down, to do what was necessary. Biden has a much bigger problem that he also created, he does not have the political maneuvering space 
to shut this down. Uh, Andy McCarthy over at National Review, who's one of their top people, former prosecutor, very sober guy, he said this isn't going to stop short of impeachment of the president. He didn't call for that, but he said as long as this guy is in office, the root cause, as it were, of this problem is in the Oval Office. Until he's gone, or until, you know, even if he's replaced by Harris, if she 25th Amendments him or something, it's not going to change until there's a different administration. It's that bad, I think. Okay, so uh, let's 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 assume that a different administration can come in, and that it's well. Before I even get to that question, let me let me gild the lily just a little bit, because we tend to talk not necessarily you and me, but as a country, we tend to talk about illegal immigration or now just migrants uh, as a um, as a generic <coughs> or at least somewhat antiseptic thing, and all of us have who have studied this issue know enough to know that not every person coming across the border is a bad person, but there's an awful lot of bad stuff coming across that border, Mark, whether we're talking about uh, uh, fentanyl, whether we're talking about uh, unaccompanied minors, whether we're talking about sex slaves. I mean, you know, we can maybe muddle along, but maybe we can't. Maybe we can't. 93,000 dead Americans from drug abuse last year? That's a number we've never seen before, and yet we're throwing fentanyl through this border like it was water. And, you know, the interesting thing is the migrant crisis, the illegal alien crisis, actually contributes to the fentanyl issue. Sure. It's not because the... It's not that the cartels smuggle aliens and drugs. They generally don't smuggle aliens. They take a tax or, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a fee. Right. But, but... They use these big groups of migrants that they know the Border Patrol is going to have to focus on as diversionary actions. In other words, they'll tell the smugglers, okay, you're going to cross here at this time of day and take your 200 you know, women and children there. That's going to cause the entire Border Patrol people to come there and work on that. And so five miles up the river, don't pay any attention to what we're doing because there's nobody there. It's not guarded. We're moving dope. We're moving people who, you know, who won't be let go, who, whatever kind of illegal alien, maybe somebody who's a criminal has been deported before, whatever it is, um, the border disaster for my, regarding migrants directly is related to the a mass importation of fentanyl and meth and all the other uh, poison. That, now, some of that stuff's going to get in no matter what we do. I mean, obviously, nothing's perfect, but is no question that more drug gets across the border and it gets across easier and is cheaper because of that, because Biden has opened the floodgates on the illegal immigration issue. Mark, you're a valuable resource. You're a good friend as well. Thanks for staying on it. Thanks for sharing your brain and time with us. Happy to do it. Sorry I couldn't uh, be less depressing. No, listen, uh, it's the motivation for action. We appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. Yep, thanks a lot. You betcha. Chief task of the political scientist, Winston Churchill, has said is to see things as they truly are. That's what Mark does. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Hello, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Happy Friday and uh, great show. And by the way, Mark Corian, wonderful guy. 
We had him on our podcast a couple months ago. Just so eloquent and so uh, well read with the current situation at the border. Um, I wanted to, in keeping with your Poetic Friday. Oh my gosh, uh, I didn't mean to start a Poetry Friday. No, no, no. This is actually better because um, I'm more of a haiku guy. You know, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. So I have a couple of, you know, modest examples if you'd be interested. In fact, for Mark, let's start him first. Immigration. The illegal kind is out of control and must end. How's that? Not bad. Not bad. I don't know the rules of poetry, but it sounded like a haiku to me. Okay, well, that's good. Here's another one. The best and brightest screwed everything up again, thus the bad guys laugh. Mm. How's that? Yeah. I mean, it's sad, but it's probably true. Um, And here's another Afghanistan one. Um, Afghanistan is lost forever, but now it's abandoned by us. Isn't that sad? Yeah. No, it is. And it's... Uh, hard for me to put my arms and head and heart around this. Oh, I know. Because, right? I mean, there's there's two emotions that are run, three really running running through me at this point, and and one is as we go into the 20th anniversary or commemoration of 9/11. Um, mm-hmm. How how does America look to the enemy? Stronger or weaker? Well, much weaker. And that, Didn't Bin Laden that say Americans will cut and run? Now, I don't know if he had 20 years in his mind or not, but he said we won't stay. We won't stay. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he's posthumously getting a victory here. Well, and, and I also want, wonder why there was so much uh, weaponry and equipment and jeeps and, and things like that left behind. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that to me signals really bad logistics, bad leadership, bad uh, planning, and and a whole bunch of other stuff, which just drives me crazy. And rapidly rapidly shredding documents in the embassy. Well, and there you go. Meaning we know the embassy will be taken. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this is, again, Saigon 1975 all over again. And, again, you know, we learned something uh, about the best and brightest who one of the haikus, they've screwed everything up again, and they didn't, uh, you know, no matter what their credentials, no matter how many degrees they had, or whether they're from Harvard or not, common sense, good judgment, and, oh, God, um, everything that everybody who studied history should understand is that this is this never was going to end well, because partly because you know, the military got stretched into this whole nation-building thing that should never have happened in the first place. And, yes, I know some people will think, well, you know, we rebuilt Japan and Germany after World War II. But this is a totally different situation based on— We, did, we didn't put Islam—we didn't put Islam or the Third Reich or imperialism into the constitution of Germany and Japan. Well, that's exactly right. And, and we did with Afghanistan. Point. We did. We yeah, wrote their. We, we we helped them with their constitution to make it an Islamist political document. Yeah, and and again, these were the best and brightest, I guess, in the State Department or something, or in Washington. And again, they screwed it all up and didn't understand that some cultures just aren't 
assimilatable into modern society. And it just drives me nuts. Well, let me talk and to you so, about driving you nuts. Because you're, <laughs> you're someone who's worn the uniform of the United States abroad. Um, what does this headline do to you? New York Times, 14 hours ago. U.S. asks Taliban to spare its embassy in coming fight. You, let, well, me, you know, let, me, let me ask you to think on what that means, and I'll ask you to answer it when we come back. I'll tell a quick story on the way out to help prep. There used to be these talks in the Reagan administration's first year given by cabinet heads, agency heads, to other cabinet heads and agency heads. There was a name for it. I don't remember what. But, you know, one week Ed Meese would give a talk on what he's up to. One week, James Baker would, that sort of thing. Well, it was Jean Kirkpatrick's turn. She was a Democrat, not very well trusted by a lot of the old hands. And she opened up her speech by saying, let me tell you about my job. Ronald Reagan and I think that America has had a kick-me sign on our back for too long, and we intend to take it down. Room stood up, full applause, standing ovation, all doubts erased. Where is that kick-me sign right now? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For all your air conditioning needs, plumbing needs too, I want you to check out my friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning and Plumbing. I use them. A friend of mine used them just this week. My family uses them. Cool Touch Air Conditioning, 623-734-1932 or cooltouchac.com. For all your air conditioning or plumbing needs, they're there for you. 24-7, 24-7, weekends, late at night, you name it, and they will be there for you, and they will be there on time. They will do what they say and say what they do. They have a new product, air conditioning unit right now, operates as if it has a dimmer switch on it so that your air conditioning unit doesn't have to keep turning on and off with those huge power surges and huge drags on your power bill to keep you at the temperature you want. This one Gives you the most comfortable living environment with the biggest savings on your utility bills by eliminating those huge drags and continual surges. But whether it's that system, another one, a repair, an inspection, or a plumbing problem, Cool Touch is the company you want. It's the company I use. CoolTouchAC.com. Rob is in surprise. Rob, what is that... Um, what does that New York Times headline do for you? U.S. asks Taliban to spare its Kabul embassy in coming fight. Well, yeah, I, I can't even. We're going I, to fight no, you. Please take yeah, it no, easy well, on us. Or, yeah, yeah. There, uh, the ask part isn't even uh, we're going to fight you part. It's like, please, pretty please, don't do this. We're, we don't want this. And, and yet... Uh, it's exactly what's happening as the Taliban keep rolling into all the different areas that they are controlling in the states in Afghanistan. But the problem really has to do with, again, the best and brightest weren't smart enough, despite their book learning and, uh, uh, and uh, intellectual uh, superiority over us plebes, uh, um, that they thought that uh, this was all going to work out right, but it never did. And of course, you know, we should have pulled out like 15 years ago after the uh, killing people and breaking things uh, part uh, ended. But no, they uh, some geniuses in Washington had to come out and say, no, we're going to create a modern society 
in Afghanistan. And, of course, that's ridiculous because of the corruption, because of the uh, tribalness, because of all the, well, the geography, of course, and because um, some of these smart people are awfully dumb, and it just drives me nuts. They, they have the wrong people in charge again, as usual, and it's the same thing like David Halberstam, the best and the brightest, about Vietnam. I mean, you know, all these smart people end up screwing up everything they touch, and it just never works. They don't understand the culture, they don't understand the history, and they don't understand the fact that Afghanistan is not something that you can bring in, you know, a democracy or a republic, especially when you write their, you know, constitution that doesn't allow any of that, but allows, you know, the <laughs> the, the, the um, uh, Islamic uh, thing to work, which is, you know, in itself is fine. But again, you know, the government's going to fall, and it's all because uh, they, the people in charge, never saw this coming. But, you know, at least uh, the president's going on vacation for a couple weeks, right, Seth? Well, Izzy, I, 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 I wouldn't know the difference. Uh, did, did I miss it, <laughs> Izzy? You know what you missed? You missed something. What's I didn't that? know this, Rob, until What's a minute that? ago. Marky Post passed away. Oh, Marky Post? No, that's like uh, five days ago. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. How did that slip through? That's something you would normally know. tell guess, me about. Well, if you ask me, I could have told you. She was in, uh, what, uh, Night Court? I think? Yeah, that was her big one, Night Court. But, uh, okay. you know, a lot of great movies, a lot of shows. The Fall Guy, uh, she was. She oh, had a recurring okay. role in Cheers. Yeah. Uh, and then she Cheers. made okay. a comeback of oh. sorts with Something About Mary. Okay. Oh, and oh, something about Mary. Great movie. Um, and because Brett Favre's in it, but you know me. Um, anyway, I um, I'm wondering uh, why these uh, people that don't seem to understand again the media in particular um, and the thinkers in Washington don't understand basic uh, common sense, humanity, uh, reason. And, and it's just, it's all just... Well, I, you know, this is, it's being called Saigon 2.0. I'm, I'm happy to call it that because I'm, yep. happy's the wrong word. I, I'm comfortable calling it that. I'm unhappy that we have to call anything that. Uh, so oh, yeah. let, let me, let me restate that. I'm, I'm comfortable calling it Saigon 2.0 because I think the, 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 the effects, Rob, it's hard, it's hard to, you know, have a lot of, a lot of sympathy for what's going on, you know, in the Afghan culture and what the Taliban brings on and even what some of our allies do but the effects for America and her true allies mm -hmm. I mean people just don't remember 1975 to 1980 it was not a good time oh no and you know unfortunately Afghanistan being landlocked you're not going to see Afghanistani boat people no uh, trying to go to no, freedom. I think what you'll see is what you'll see what we saw with Iraq. I think you will see graves. Oh yeah, I think oh, you yeah. will see killing fields like we saw with yep. Cambodia. I think you're and, going. And that's exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what's going to happen, unfortunately. And and I worry most of all for the women who have gotten some freedom there and uh, got you know into teaching and uh, learning and. Now they're just going to be brought back into the 7th century uh, by these uh, 
guys that uh, think that uh, that's the way things ought to be. And, you know, you can't change a culture. And I think that's one of the biggest problems you have when the United States goes around the world. They don't understand that, that, well, the people in charge never seem to understand that you can't change a culture no matter how hard you try. Even Condi Rice had it wrong. Um, She didn't get that you can't bring democracy to a place in the Middle East that doesn't want it. No, but you can bring American and her allies safety, and that is what was discounted today and will be for time to come. Uh, uh, Molly Montgomery, it's not a name you may necessarily know. She's not a nobody. She is uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Eurasian Affairs in this administration. She tweeted something this morning. She tweeted this, Woke up with a heavy heart thinking about all the Afghan women and girls I worked with during my time in Kabul. They were the beneficiaries of many of the gains we made, and now they stand to lose everything. We empowered them to lead, and now we are powerless to protect them. How's it looking now? By the way, that that tweet was deleted, but it was up. How's it looking right now for all those women for whom Kamala Harris was going to be their role model for all she would do for them? Thanks for spending some of your day with us, some of your week. Um, I wanted to close with where I began. The words of Candace Owens, Candace Owens Farmer, Candace Farmer. If you aren't paying attention, every effort the government is making is an effort to dehumanize the population by destroying human interaction and connection. Self-check are counters everywhere. Social distancing from one another staying away from family, and finally, masking your face forever so we no longer identify one another as individuals and human beings. I told you at the beginning of this that the masks were never going to be temporary. Hopefully, those of you who thought this was about health are now paying attention. The kids are the last and most important step. Once they sufficiently dehumanize children, there is no hope for the future because children are literally the future. Once children believe that masking is normal and being disconnected from one another is normal, America and the West, as we know it, is over. Fight these mandates at every level, tooth and nail. Withdraw your children from these schools. I cannot scream this enough. Yeah, indeed, the uh, sociologist I was quoting earlier, Neil Postman, he opens his book on saving childhood, or the disappearance of childhood, rather, title of his book, um, he opens up by saying, children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. Well, there's an awful lot we can see right now. If you look at the data, if you look at the disease, if you look at the children. A lot we can see right now. Let's not send punished and brooded and hampered messages to a time we will not see because we refuse to see what's in front of our very very unmasked faces. God bless you all. Until next week, class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.